Good morning. The reading is taken from Psalm chapter 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mosiah. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God in my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. And so we come to reflect on that amazing psalm. A huge thank you to Jackie for the great all-age talk, which uh, brought us to the opening words of the psalm, that thirst for the living God. And to Phil Knox for that very powerful video relating to the words of verse 5 and verse 11 of the psalm. How long, O Lord, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Thank you to Dave and Lucy and to Margaret for leading our songs today. Songs that led us very much towards this psalm and which will take us on beyond it after I've spoken, and Francis for reading, and the wonderful technical team who are enabling you at home to receive this alongside those of us who are here in the building. And we continue to receive messages of appreciation for those who watch CDs and DVDs later in the week, and that is important too, and we're so grateful to Ian for making this possible. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to bring these moments to us. But they are important moments. And this morning is an especially important moment where we can encounter the living God and where this particular word of Scripture can come alive to each of us. And it is in the context where life is beginning to open up, isn't it? Yesterday, we had a great afternoon at Licky Hills. Some of you, I know, were able to join in that, and it was great to be able to talk freely in the open space. And this, of course, followed a picnic that we had in Shirley Park a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've actually got an aerial photo of that, 
which is going to come on the screen now. I don't think you can identify anyone. That's the idea. Uh, but uh, there was an aerial view there of two weeks ago. Today we also have a service for families in the sports hall, each sitting on their own blanket, and the youth are meeting in the building as well, uh, and the, the uh, congregation here in the sanctuary is uh, filling up most of the seats that we have available today. So uh, a lot of activity beginning to build up. It feels as if the building is coming back to life. It feels as if face-to-face -face meeting is coming back to life. Earlier this week, another of the home groups met in person for the first time in 15 months. And here is their photo, which they're happy for us to share this morning. And it's lovely to see those smiling faces. I think just one member of the group not able to be there on that occasion. But uh, good that people can begin to get together. As you all know, there is some uncertainty about what the government might say tomorrow about ending lockdown. But there is a sense in which we are turning a corner, and that's the title that I've given to this morning. Francis and I had a short break away last week and came home on Friday. And going by the traffic on the road, we're certainly turning a corner because life has become very active for most people and everyone seemed to be going somewhere on Friday. It was very, very busy. On the surface, the pace of life is picking up. People are connecting more with one another. Many activities that have been closed on and off for the last year or more are beginning to open again. But there is a lot more underneath the surface that needs our careful attention. Much has been lost over this time. The loss of loved ones, the loss of many special occasions, the loss of jobs, the loss of dreams and aspirations, the loss of health. That loss cannot be ignored. There have been many spiritual challenges as well being forced away from a routine that has been similar for so many years. Some have thrived on that, but other people have floundered. As Peter was explaining last week, weeds have got in the way, and the Martha kind of activities have prevented that all-important Mary-like devotion. And so Psalm 42 seems to me to be a very relevant text for us today, and I'd like to take a few moments to look more carefully at these words. And first of all, to say actually that Psalm 42 links immediately to Psalm 43. They are uh, two psalms that belong together. And I really want to encourage you after this service or later in the day where you have some time of quiet to sit down quietly with these psalms, to do what Peter was saying last week, that time with God, that merry time with Jesus. Sit down with these psalms, Psalm 42, and 43 and read them all as they do belong together. They're structured in three sections and there is a repeated phrase at the end of each section. That's what makes it so clear that they belong together. Psalm 42 verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will let yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. That phrase is then repeated exactly the same at the end of the psalm in verse 11 and exactly the same at the end of Psalm 43 in verse 5. And so that is the recurring, as it were, refrain at the end of each section. The psalm was written from a place a long way from home. Now this could have been 
a literal physical distancing. Home would have been Jerusalem, and a long way away from home would have been uh, some other region, probably in the far north of Israel, near the Mount of Hermon, because that is mentioned in verse 6. So if it was a literal distancing, then we assume the psalm was written somewhere in that part of the country. But maybe it was a more of an emotional distance that actually the person writing this psalm wasn't physically away from Jerusalem, but he felt spiritually away from God. He was expressing a state of mind. And interestingly, in this psalm, God was remote enough for the person writing to feel deserted, and yet near enough for him still to talk to God. And I think many of us find ourselves in that place in our lives from time to time. Where yes, there is a sense in which God feels distance, but there is distant, but there is also the reality that he is close. The first section of the psalm opens with this cry of thirst. My throat is parched, and I am longing for water. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Here is someone who may seem fine on the surface, but under the surface they're crying out to know God. Tears are flowing day and night. And that's not helped by the taunt of others who are saying, Now where is your God? Show us what God is doing. And there doesn't seem to be an answer. The drought of Psalm 42 verse 1 is a long way from the streams of living water in Psalm 23 verse 2. He leads me beside quiet waters. Or the promise of the rivers of delight in Psalm 36 and verse 8. They feast from the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of delights. Where is the stream of living water? Where is the river of delight? My soul is parched for you. The first section of this psalm, we're looking today at someone whose cry is from the heart. Someone who feels far from God, who remembers there were times when they felt closer, when they used to join in the crowds in processing up the streets of Jerusalem to the temple courtyard, joining in the shouts of joy and praise. But now is a dark and lonely place. How long, O Lord? And this section of the psalm may be especially relevant to those who have experienced trauma in the light time of lockdown or even now, find themselves in a place of spiritual darkness. I wonder this morning, is there a deep thirst in your soul? Is there something that is parched, that is crying out for the living God? Do you relate to this cry of the heart that is expressed in the opening section of the psalm? In the second section of the psalm, the image that's used is different. The metaphor of verses 7 to 10 is more to do with drowning than with drought. Now, some of you know that we enjoy holidays by the coast, and, and particularly in the summer, surfing on the North Cornish coast. And we know that deep water is an unnerving place to be with the waves breaking over and the danger of being swallowed up. Interestingly, 
This may remind you of the story of Jonah swallowed by the big fish. And the prayer in Jonah chapter 2 echoes very closely the words of this psalm. What is hinted at also in the first section is expressed more clearly in the second section in the words that my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me. It's not just the waves that are swallowing over me. It is the attack and the taunting of others that is like a spear driving into our body and causing a deep wound. Again, intended metaphorically that the words of other people are like wounds that reach deep into the body. And so here is a section of the psalm for someone who may feel overwhelmed. Maybe for someone who is especially anxious now that lockdown is easing and may be fearful of that encounter with other people again and what it feels like and what it looks like. A different kind of experience to the first section of the psalm, but both are very relevant to the time of life that we find ourselves in today. And each of these sections ends with this same verse repeated also at the end of Psalm 43. Here is the key. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The writer is actually speaking to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? What's going on inside? Why are you so disturbed within me? Then he almost tells himself the answer. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Someone who is asking why he is feeling downcast, thirsty for God, distanced from him, overwhelmed with all that life is presenting. And then giving himself the answer he knows to be true. Courageously questioning himself and appealing to God. He was taking the first steps to recovery. So this morning, I wonder, are you asking this question of yourself? And are you able to answer it? in the same way. One commentary on this psalm says that we are never helpless victims of our emotions. When you are feeling down, there are things that you can do to recover a real and active faith. And Jonathan Aitken, who wrote the book Psalms for People Under Pressure, comments on this psalm that the cure for depression is not to look retrospectively to our past, nor introspectively at our problems, but to search for the living God. We need to look outward and we need to look upward in order to move out of a place of darkness and despair into a place of light and hope. Now, on our travels last week, we came across a delightful place in South Devon known as Hope Cove. It's next to a quaint little village appropriately called Little Hope. But what especially caught our attention was the name of the pub at Hope Cove, which is the Hope and Anchor Inn. We've got a picture of it here. 
Uh, I'm not particularly wanting to advertise the brewery or to draw attention to that bit, but see the words of the name of the pub, Hope and Anchor. What a brilliant title. How relevant to this particular psalm. Hope is what we have as a gift of God through the Holy Spirit because of what God has done for us. Anchor is what holds us firmly to Christ, whatever the storms which surround us. Hope and anchor. Maybe this morning you relate to the words of this psalm in one way or another. I've certainly found as I was preparing this talk that there's a lot here that I relate to as I reflect on recent times about the present and the future. And the repeated sentence that comes in the middle of the psalm, at the end of the psalm, and at the end of the next psalm gives us a very clear action to take. Put your hope in God. It doesn't ask us to think about God. It doesn't ask us to think about hope or to read about hope or to talk about hope, but to put your hope in God. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows all about you. He gave his son to die for you. Step into the orbit of his grace right now. Allow him to quench your deep thirst. Allow him to dry your tears. Allow him to accompany you in your loneliness. Allow him to carry you through the waves. Allow him to protect you from those who trouble you. Allow him to ease the disturbance of your soul. Allow him to comfort you in the trauma of the past and allow him to guide you in the confusion of the present. Allow him to excite you in the anticipation of the future. Put your hope in the living God today. How can we be sure that it is safe to put our hope in God? Because he is also our anchor. The psalm doesn't use the word anchor, but it does use the word rock, and the two are very similar. And so we read in verse 9, I say to God, my rock. God has made it quite clear that we are in safe hands when we put our hope in Christ our rock. He's demonstrated how much he loves us. He's wonderfully dealt with the wrong that is in our lives. He has declared victory over all the powers of darkness. He's promised his abiding presence through the Holy Spirit. Christ is our hope. Christ is our anchor. In a moment, we're going to take some of those thoughts into our prayers. But a couple of things before we do that. In recent times, there are two particular books that I have come across, just little booklets. And they're coming up on the screen now. One is this booklet called Hope in Uncertain Times. And I've got about 50 copies of these. So if any of you would like one, then you're very welcome to that. And uh, please do get in touch, and we can pop it in the post or get it across to you in whatever way is easiest. It's just a very simple uh, little explanation of the Christian hope with uh, lots of appropriate illustrations. 
and it's really written for the present time. And then for those who have suffered a deep loss, the loss of someone close in recent times. Richard Littledale, who's a Baptist minister in Newbury, has written this little book, No Visible Scar. And uh, it's just some very brief reflections on how it has felt journeying through a time of loss in the last year or so. Again, I've got plenty of those. So please do get in touch if you would like either of them. Now before we pray, we've got what I think is probably just the most appropriate song to sing at this point in responding to what we've been hearing about. It's the song Living Hope. Uh, and it expresses the truths of Christ as our anchor and as our hope, our living hope. I'm going to suggest that if you are in the sanctuary this morning and would like to stand up for this, it would be nice to do that. We're not able to sing, but if you're at home, you can stand, sit, sing, dance, do whatever you like, but really do enter into the depth of meaning that is expressed in this song as we listen, Living Hope.